The Swain Event Podcast is driven by Beatty Chevrolet. For your new and pre-owned vehicle shopping needs, visit BeattyChevrolet.com. Deep down the middle's got his man, and he's gone. Jason Swain, touchdown. It's time for the Swain Event with your host, Jason Swain. My man. Real sports talk for the real sports fan. All you chumps are going to bow when I whip him. It's time for the Swain Event, fueled by Dead End Barbecue. Get into his mouth and a red flag. Swain Event, SwainEvent.com, fueled by Dead End Barbecue. September the 14th, we are at the top of the hour. It is a Thursday. It is Florida week. You do have Ben McKee from GoVault 247 and myself, Jason Swain. And I am live from the low-T Central Studio. We are glad that you are with us this morning. Uh, we are fired up. Well, good conversation about what's going on leading up to the games this weekend in the SEC and around college football, but most importantly right here uh, in Knoxville as we approach Saturday, traveling to Gainesville. Ben McKee, what's up, my man? Good Thursday morning to you, my friend. How are you? I'm good, man. I'm good. I'm, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go. It's getting closer and closer to game time. I hear more and more people more confident about Tennessee's uh, chances to, to win. Um, they are, and they should be, high. Tennessee's a better football team. But there's been questions about the execution, the play, the production. And here's an opportunity to silence all of that this Saturday, at least for a couple couple days because you're only as good as your last game. So Tennessee goes out, plays well against Florida, still got to come back the next week and, and do it all over again. But, um, man, I want to get to our listeners and viewers. I want to know what some of their keys to the game uh, is. I will share some of mine. Uh, we'll get to the text box this morning. It's always great. The Betty Chevrolet uh, text box. It's a pre-owned sale going on right now uh, at Betty Chevrolet. 50 pre-owned trucks, 40 pre-owned SUVs starting at $19,995. Website, BettyChevrolet.com. Ben, um, you ready for your trip to Gainesville? Uh no, but yes, I'm I'm ready for the football aspect. I, I don't know about the uh, the traveling party that I will be accompanied by. You're not but flying? the actual fo- what's that? You flying right? So I mean, it'd be it'll be quick. <laughs> You're funny. You're funny. You're funny. You're gonna make me choose violence on this Thursday morning by playing around like that. We're not playing those games this morning, buddy. Okay. <laughs> Look, why, why don't why don't you worry about your bet with Chris Doring first and foremost, and quit picking on me. Quit quit picking on the smaller fish. Go go find a big fish oh, like man. yourself to to pick on. Pick on somebody your own size. I I, I need Tennessee to get this win, man. I, Are you nervous? Uh, yeah, yes. Because I'm not playing. 
I have no control over what's going to happen. Yeah, that that is the unfortunate part. Uh, I, I have never worn the opposing school's colors of, of a team that I root for. So just the thought of it disgusts me. So I can't imagine what's going through your head at, at the slight possibility of having to do it. Yeah, so um, I was on their show on Sirius XM on Tuesday, and it was brought up. The bet, betting Chris Doring, the same way that Doring and um, Peter Burns bet each other. And I was challenged. I can't, I can't de- decline. I can't back down. That means I won't have confidence in my own team. So I had to take the bet. I got to take the bet. So whoever loses has to wear the opposing team's shirt, take a photo, got to pin it to your Twitter profile. I, I'm not trying to do that. So I, I need my guys to go out there and handle business and be one point better on Saturday. That's all I need. One point I, better. I, I think you will be okay. I, I would be somewhat surprised if, if Tennessee loses this football game. Like you said off the top, I, I have a whole lot more confidence in what I see in Tennessee on paper than I do in Florida. But we're, we're talking about the piece of paper, not the actual play on the game for 60 minutes in between the white lines on the road, in the swamp, under the lights in prime time. Uh, I, don't, I don't know that the paper t- takes those uh, conditions I- into effect, but uh, I, I don't recall if we mentioned this on, on Tuesday. Uh, so I, this is kind of how I set the tone for, for previewing this matchup. I went into that Austin P game very, very confident in Tennessee going down to the swamp, and I left that Austin P game with a lot more questions and less confidence in Tennessee going down to the swamp. Did, did you feel similar, similarly? I can't say that word. I apologize. Did you feel the same way about that game on on Saturday against Austin P? Of course, I think a lot of people, a lot of people did. Yeah, hundred percent. And I mean, if, if if you're Florida, look at the weather for Saturday. Have you seen the weather? Uh, I haven't seen an exact forecast, but I saw just looking it up on my phone like 30 minutes ago that there's like a 50% chance of rain the next three or four days. I know there's some hurricanes kind of off the coast, and, and I suspected that we would get uh, some some rain from, from those hurricanes. Scattered thunderstorms. The low near 70 degrees. Chance of rain, 40%. So, remember last week, there was a rain delay. There was a weather delay because of the lightning. You could have the same situation in this football game. It may not be before the game, but it could be during. So, there's a possibility there could be stoppage. Are you going to learn from your mistakes? Are you can come out, come out flat after singing in the locker room. There's no reason to come out flat if there's no delay because the crowd will be electric at the beginning. You're going to have people booing you. And I don't, I don't anticipate a change or anything, but 
crowds that boo the opposing team, all you do is fire them up. All you do is is, is make us want to beat you and get us more locked in. Like booing honestly does the opposite effect of what fans think it does. But we'll get booed and that'll wake you up right there. It's like smelling salts. It'll wake you up. It'll have you ready to go. Uh, it's a night game, so you would be sitting around the hotel most of the day, watching other games, laying around, whereas this team prefers to go out there and just play early because you practice early. You got to be ready early. So uh, a lot to think about, maybe some things to overcome, but, and this is it. This is it. I don't put any stock in the, the Austin P game except for some of the mental errors. Um, I think intensity will not be a question, but the execution, something that we haven't necessarily seen 100% of on offense and on defense too, that has to, to be corrected on, on, on Saturday. Um, I want to start with, I saw a tweet yesterday and this tweet was a screenshot from a Florida beat writer and someone that covers, covers a team. Um, not for two, four, seven, I might add. No, no, not, not, not for two, four, seven. I kid, I kid. Um, I had to pull it up. I'm trying to find it so I can go, so I can give you word for word. Cause I think it's important to highlight because it, cause it's a really good point and, and, think from a position standpoint, I think it's going to be a key thing to look at in this football game, being able to run the football where you, you might have some questions about the passing game, about, about timing and all that stuff. But running the football is going to be very, very, very important. Well, Florida beat writer, Nick Delatore, who covers the Gators for Gators Online, was answering a question by one of their board members on the board. And the first question was about Florida's ability to run the football versus Tennessee whether or not he felt like that they'll be able to do that. And he says, I think so. Which, hey, that's... Ain't no wrong with that, Tennessee fans. Ain't no reason to get all up in, in your feelings and get all upset. He says he thinks so. He doesn't know. I don't know. Who really knows? Neither team has played a lot of football games to really have an idea of what's going to happen on Saturday. Tennessee has played two teams, Virginia and Austin P. Not very good. Florida's played Utah. And that was the first game of the season. So we don't know what to expect. So he says, I think so. And Utah turned around and lost to a Baylor team 
that had previously the week before lost to Texas State. Yeah, and and that Utah team was without their starting quarterback, was was without several players, key players, and the score was twenty four to eleven. Florida didn't score until a touchdown until the fourth quarter. Florida also had a interception inside their own 25, 30-yard line. Utah was able to go and score easy. Without that, we're talking 17 to 11. Like, there's – I don't know how much we could take from that game. So I think there's a ton of unknowns um, as we enter this football game. ton of unknowns. But the second question that – this Florida beat writer was asked on the board and his answer, man, it has, it has triggered some Tennessee fans. And I, I love it because it shows that we in game mode, man. We ready to go. Like we are ready to go as a fan base. But I think what triggered the Tennessee fan, it's, it's actually a valid comment, valid point from the Florida beat writer. And we'll take a break. The first break of the day, we will come back. We'll dive into that because it has everything to do with the running game, which I think will be very, very important on Saturday. Very important. Last year, the leading rushers were the quarterbacks, Anthony Richardson, Hendon Hooker. Can't be the case this year, and I don't think it will be. It's going to be the running backs this year. So when we come back, Ben, the running game, how important it is. Let's break that down. Let's discuss. We'll do that here on the Swain event fueled by Dead End Barbecue. Stay with us. You're listening to the Swain event. You don't say. Fueled by Dead End Barbecue. Yeah. Hey, Knoxville, we all know the importance of mental health. Most people don't have regular mental health care. They often wait. Let's change that. Isn't it time we all consider our mental health as important as our physical health? If you are ready, Mind Body Wellness in Knoxville can help you design a plan for your mental wellness. We are accessible, affordable, and available. You are worth it. Visit MindBodyKnoxville.com to schedule a mental wellness assessment today. When you are craving some quality barbecue, there's only one place to go, Dead End Barbecue. Dead End Barbecue has been featured on ESPN's Taste of the Town, the first barbecue restaurant on the SEC Network, CBS Sports, Headline News Tailgate Show, Amazon Prime's The Restaurant Comeback, Food Paradise, and named one of the top 100 barbecue restaurants in America. The search is over. Dead End Barbecue is located on 3621 Sutherland Avenue right here in Knoxville. You can even have it delivered right to your door through Chow Now. Visit their website at deadendbbq.com. Dead End Barbecue. The search is over. Hey, Vol Nation. This is Charlie Pratt, financial representative with Modern Woodman and MWA Financial Services. Modern Woodman has been touching lives and securing futures for 140 years. Being born and raised here in East Tennessee, I'm honored to help East Tennesseans in all phases of life with retirement planning, investments, and life insurance. A big win on Saturday starts with preparation early in the week. 
A secure financial future starts with planning today. Contact my office today at 865-919-6468 to review your financial plan and make sure you are on track for success. As always, go Vols. Registered representative and investment advisor, representative offering securities and advisory services through NWA Financial Services, Inc., a wholly owned subsidiary of Modern Woodman of America, member of INCRA, SIPC. Good morning, Swain Event family. Take a deep breath in and release. We're all back together in the AM and life is good. If you have real estate needs, just give me a call, Jennifer Morris at 865-257-7897 or email me at jennifermorris865 at gmail.com and go Vols. Just because you can't call in doesn't mean that you have to sit on the sideline. Impact the show with a text box. It's part of the free Swain Events app. All right, Swain Event Fuel by Dead End Barbecue, top 100 barbecue restaurant. So, my man Ben McKee, a Florida fan, posted on the message board for Florida to be able to run run on U Toothless. I guess that's supposed to be UT. Um, The Florida fan trying to talk about a Tennessee band fan being toothless? Really? But I'll keep it moving. Nick Delatore says, I think so. He don't know one way or the other. Number two, here's, I think, the talking point here, Ben. Weaknesses in Tennessee defense. He says Tennessee doesn't have great linebackers or linebacker depth. They've also been hit with 14 penalties in two games. Okay. All right. Okay. So, the first part. The first part here, Ben McKee, doesn't have great linebackers. Is that not fair? I I don't think so. I I think that is, I don't want to say uneducated because that that is really harsh. Uh, And real quick, I do need to correct myself. Uh, Utah beat Baylor. I I misspoke. I I forgot that they were actually able to come back and and win that game. I was getting out of my car (laughs) in the parking garage to walk to Neyland. I think Baylor was up by like seven or ten. And then by the time I got into Neyland, and looked up, Utah had scored a last-second touchdown to win that game, so I apologize for for misspeaking incorrectly. Utah did beat Baylor, but still, Utah turned around and, and played poorly against a Baylor team that had just lost to Texas State uh, the week prior. But, yes, I, I, I think that I it's it's a wrong opinion. Aaron Beasley is one of the best linebackers in the country. Uh, do, do you want to say that there's some question marks around the linebacker spot right now because Elijah Herring is stepping in and filling in for for Keenan Peely, who is playing really well throughout fall camp, then okay, that's fair because it is a big question mark going into this game. How does Elijah Herring fare against this Florida offense that is going to want to run the football? Uh, Arion Carter, I imagine he's going to get in there some as well. I would like to see Jeremiah T. Lander maybe get some reps if 
if you do need to mix things up here and there or, or, or you need to rotate for a series, I've been very impressed by Jeremiah T. Lander. I think mentally, for the most part, he would be able to handle that on Saturday in the Swamp. Uh, you've heard Tennessee's coaches talk for weeks now about he is the son of a high school football coach and, and things just kind of click for him mentally and he has great football IQ. So uh, I'm obviously not around Jeremiah T. Lander on a daily basis, but from the outside looking in, from the little that we've seen from him so far, I do have a, a level of confidence for, for a true freshman. Uh, so if if you want to question what this young Tennessee linebacker group next to Aaron Beasley is going to look like on Saturday, then that's okay. But to say that they don't have good linebackers, I, I think is just a, a really bad take. Aaron Beasley is one of the best linebackers in the country right now. Tennessee doesn't have great linebackers. Well, I think Aaron Beasley is great. He is one of the best linebackers in the country right now. And to me, if you're one of the best linebackers in the country, you're great. Do I believe Aaron Beasley is hovering around great linebacker play? Absolutely. But that happened late last year and definitely happened in the Clemson game. And then we've seen in the first two games him played at, at an elite level. And so let's just say Aaron Beasley is great. Well, that's just one. Tennessee doesn't have great linebackers, which they have one, but don't have multiple right now. That's not, that's not proven. And then he mentions linebacker depth. All right. Is the depth better than it was last year? Absolutely, because you have more bodies. But you know how we talk about depth uh, on this program. There's a difference between depth and just having bodies and competitive depth, bodies who are talented experience that you can roll with and there's not a significant drop off that you're going to get that production. And I'm not here to like defend the Florida beat rider, but I am saying at this point, at this point, Tennessee has not proven that we do have great linebackers, plural, got one. Or Keenan Peely's great. He ain't playing. And linebacker depth because the guys around Aaron Beasley, they're unproven. And the reason I bring that up because this is an opportunity. What you do in games like this determines how good you are, how great you are, how much depth the Tennessee linebacker group truly has. We have an opportunity. Tennessee has an opportunity. Elijah Heron, T. Lander, Arion Carter, whoever goes in at linebacker, you have an opportunity moving forward that when someone asked about Tennessee's linebackers, they're going to say, oh, yeah, Tennessee, they do have great linebackers, plural. It's not just Aaron Beasley. And they do have great or good linebacker depth because we saw them perform in the Florida game. But right now, it's fair to say that we don't. It's cool because we haven't had a real game to point to. Austin P in Virginia. So I'll, I'll give the Florida beat right of that. But here's where I disagree. His last sentence, they've been hit with 14 penalties in two games. 
What the hell they got to do with the defense? 14 penalties, that's the entire team. We had 10 penalties against Austin P for 88 yards. We had four penalties against Virginia for 35 yards. We had penalties on offense. We had offensive pass interference, blocking while the ball was caught um, across the line of scrimmage. We had pre-snap penalties on our offensive line with false starts. What does that have to do with the defense? Not a damn and thing. Josh, not a <laughs> damn thing. Josh Heupel on Vol calls last night still was not happy by some of those holding and pass interference calls out on the perimeter. He's never happy about those because I mean it's it's a it's a thin line. Like the ball is every time I've seen it, it's been called behind the line of scrimmage. Now the might be one game. I forgot last year where I was like, yeah, that probably was across the line. But last night he said there was maybe one that was real, and you typically don't hear Josh Heupel say that. Yeah, yeah, that, like. They rep as much as they do it. Understand how much it has to be repped in practice, right? And how much is talked about and emphasized. Like, yeah, like they they know to catch the ball behind the line of scrimmage. So, um, but that's offensive penalties. That's not defensive penalties. Now, if you want to look at defensive penalties, okay, you had a couple of PIs, but that doesn't speak to the weakness of UT's defense. The weakness is that we haven't been tested yet. That's that's the weakness because we what? don't really know. We haven't been yeah. tested yet. Tennessee has what? not been tested yet. I think the weakness is the secondary, and and to to me, it's a little weird that that wasn't mentioned first. Again, if if you want to question the the depth of Tennessee's linebackers right now, I I do think that's fair. But I also think that you should point out that Aaron Beasley is one of the best linebackers in the SEC and. And one of the best linebackers in the country because he is. But that's but uh, he, that's true. But depth means more than one. Yes, but I, I think if you're given an an informative answer, like you should note that hey, this Aaron Beasley kid flies around the field and makes a ton of plays at the linebacker position. But there's not a ton of depth behind him, especially after Keenan Peely got hurt in the Virginia game. So yeah. To me, that would have been the most informative answer. But he also doesn't cover Tennessee on on a daily basis, so. Uh, you can understand that aspect of it. And also, like, I I still have – maybe you need to put me in my place. Maybe, maybe I'm sipping the Kool-Aid too much. But I, I think that I have more confidence in those young linebackers than I do the corners right now. Like, I would still say that the uh, the the secondary is the, the weakest unit on on this defense. You know, and and it's it's really outside of Danico Slaughter and Wesley Walker. It's kind of the rest of the pack in that room, and there's a couple corners that we can obviously highlight in this particular game against SEC competition. Number two worries me at that safety position. Uh, now Florida doesn't have the the speed and athleticism that it typically has, so so maybe he's able to play better in this game than you would anticipate because it's usually the the offense is that have a ton of speed and athleticism and he has to make plays in space. That's usually when Jalen McCullough gets into trouble. Um, but I, I I don't know how you don't lead with the secondary being the the weakest unit on this defense. Week one against Virginia, it looked fine, but that was also against the Virginia offense that is not good. And I do know for a fact Virginia turned around and, and lost to James Madison. I can say that accurately this time. Um, and then Austin P. it was more of what we saw last year than what we saw in the Virginia game. So I, I kind of don't know what Tennessee has right now in its corners because it was more of that mixed bag of results against 
awesome P that we saw last year. But to me, that that's the the weakest unit of of the secondary. I mean, or of of this defense. Do you feel the same way? That do you have more trust in in some of those unproven corners or or unproven linebackers right now? Honestly, Ben, it's it's really hard to to tell because we haven't been tested yet. We, we've had yeah. some some plays where we've been in position and we've picked up some PI calls. We had a backup corner um, in the UVA game and and in the Austin P game give up a, a long um, two two long plays, and it had me scratching my head uh, of why, um, but. The secondary hasn't really been tested yet, and we enter this game with a ton of unknowns. I think it's hard not to look at what happened last year and some of the same players coming back, but you have to factor in that they have improved. You have to give them the benefit of the doubt and maybe wait until this Saturday. I do know that last year versus Florida, the secondary got torched. We got torched. We had two receivers go for 100 yards. We had one receiver that caught the ball, and the same guy missed a tackle on him and went in and scored a touchdown. It's one of the worst defensive plays of the year last year. Two receivers went over 100 yards, and you had a third receiver almost hit 70, 75 yards. So you almost had 25 yards away. Three receivers have 100 yards. So if I'm the secondary, I I take that personal going into this year, even though the leading receiver last year for the Florida is not on this team. He's in the NFL, but, you know, Ricky Pearsall's back. And you did mention that, that the group, the Florida offensive group, doesn't have the same speed and athleticism that maybe we're used to seeing. But they got a freshman that has all the speed, has all the athleticism, and that is Eugene Wilson. He were, he rocks the number three, and you better know where he is. <laughs> That's all I'm saying because he he he's electric. And last time I saw him, it was against Utah, and that was his first collegiate game. I'm sure he's going to be a little bit better than he was uh, in his first game going into his third game. But – Penalties are going to be a big part of the game. You understand that. I got to clean that up there. Had too many against against Austin P. But to look at the defense and try to attribute the offensive penalties to the defense is a is a, is a key point uh, in this game. I don't th- I don't think it's fair. But um, I think we know about Aaron Beasley, but we have to understand that the country they have one game. They have one game of Aaron Beasley. That's Clemson game. That's all they got. So we got to kind of look at it from their lenses and understand that they they saw one game of Aaron Beasley just being great. We saw what he did against Austin P. but who else saw that? Not a lot of people saw that, unless you're Tennessee fans, because that game was on ESPN+. Plus. It wasn't on the national stage. But Saturday, man, the world will see Aaron Beasley. Because the Tennessee Florida game is going to be the best game of the weekend. It's why Kurt Herbstreit, Chris Fowler, Holly Rowe is going to be on the broadcast. So, Ann Beasley will be known 
Saturday night. Absolutely. I, I, I would be surprised if not. Uh, I, I disagree with, with his comment that he thinks Florida will be able to run the football on Tennessee. I, I think Tennessee is 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 better suited in that matchup. I, I trust Tennessee's defensive front more than I trust Florida's rushing attack. And we, we can talk about Virginia and, and Austin P, and that's completely fair. But I also think it would be fair to point out that Remember last season, Tennessee defense did pretty well against the traditional running game. Mm-hmm. It was more of when quarterbacks got outside of the pocket and, and escaped and, and made plays with their legs. That's kind of part of the rushing game that hurt Tennessee last year. But against the traditional run, Tennessee's defensive front was very, very stout and played very, very well in nearly every single game last year against the traditional run, especially this Florida game. And is pretty much the same front seven from a year ago outside of a piece here or there. You you have Aaron Beasley back. You have Amari Thomas back. You have Tyler Barron back, who's playing at an even higher level so far this season. Uh, you have Bryson Eason. You have Karat Garland. You have all these veteran defensive linemen, a Dominic Bailey, that are back that was a huge part of last year's front seven that played a key role in playing well against the run. And you added Omar Norman Lott, a guy who is as explosive as anybody off the ball and I think is a future NFL player probably after this season because of how quick he is off the ball and and how disruptive he is and how often he lives in the backfield. Like You pair that with pretty much the same rush defense from a season ago and you you lose Jeremy Banks and and you lose Jawan Mitchell. Like, I, I don't know that there's a big drop-off from them to, to Elijah Herring just because, especially with Jeremy Banks, you didn't necessarily know what you were going to get mentally week-to-week with Jeremy Banks. So this is a good Tennessee rush defense. It's a good, really good front seven. It is. And on the flip side, I really like ETN and Montrell Johnson. I, I think they're really, really good backs. I just don't trust their offensive line. We can talk a little bit more about this on the other side, but their offensive line has been musical chairs and, and in a state of flux. Last year, it was really good, surprisingly good, given it was Billy Napier's first season. But they had two guys leave for the NFL. They had two guys transfer to USC. Their starting center, like Cooper Mays, has been out the first two games. Now, it does sound like Kingsley. Don't know how to say his last name, but Kingsley's going to – What's that? Iguakin. There you go, my man. Kingsley is going to play this Saturday, uh, and and they're trying to get an FIU transfer to rotate in at tackle. They're trying to get a, a freshman in at guard to rotate in to to kind of they they want to rotate seven guys uh, along the offensive line, and nobody has really proven themselves up front outside of Kingsley, who has missed the first two games at that center position. I tr- I absolutely trust the, a Tennessee defensive front more than I trust that Florida offensive line right now. What's crazy, Ben? is Florida's offensive line has some of the same issues that Tennessee's offensive line has had. The difference is we have a play at Utah. We played an Austin P team that beat us on a sack. We played a Virginia team. We haven't played really good competition yet. We haven't been tested yet with the offensive line. Um, Saturday is going to be a, a huge test, but both teams getting their st- starting center back, you know, uh, Kingston and Guacan. Started all 13 games last year for Florida. So he's making his return. Um, he's really good. He could have gone to the NFL. He, yeah. he is he is their one 
proven offensive lineman. And yes, it is a very similar situation, but I do think you know what you're going to get from John Campbell, Javante Spragans, more than some of those other offensive linemen for Florida outside of Kingsley. Hey, man, takes more than three. So the offensive line hey, to be, be, absolutely. be good. So. I, yeah, you're right. I, I, it is a big test. I don't we'll, know. We'll learn a lot more. We'll learn a lot more this weekend. I don't know what the left guard's going to do. I don't know how Cooper Mays will, will fare in his first game uh, coming back from surgery. Um, there's been a lot of rotation. I saw John Campbell, um, you know, take a, a a series off last week. I, I didn't know if it was injury or what, what the reason was um, when Tennessee had the number one offense out there. So, like, in the first two games, we've had some rotations with the offensive line. So I don't know what to expect. Um, what I do know is we haven't take, taken enough deep shots. And the reason why we haven't taken enough deep shot, shots has to be because questions with the offensive line and protection. It has, has to be one of the factors. And so until we get that protection and we're taking deep shots and we're completing them down the football field versus Florida, I'm going to have that that question mark um, there with with the offensive line. So like, yeah, both I think both teams are entering with some questions on the offensive line. Um, but I'll make this last point. We'll go to break. Anthony Richardson, yes, uh, last year because you mentioned this about the rushing. He had seventeen carries, man. He had seventeen carries. His longest run was eleven yards. Eleven yards was the longest run. Etienne had nine. Wright had eight, and then Montel Johnson had eight. So Tennessee did a really good job of stopping the run last year, except for you know some of those uh, scrambles from Richardson. And then, but you had a lot of design runs for Richardson too, because offensively they couldn't really do anything. Hendon had a long run of forty-four yards, and he had one hundred and twelve yards. Both quarterbacks led their teams in rushing. That's not going to be the case this year at all. Grand Marks is not leading the team in rushing this year. <laughs> if that's the case, then and Tennessee wins by double digits because that means that Tennessee locked up Montreal Johnson and Trevor Etienne. Well, it could be if, if Grand Marks leads leads Florida in rushing. That that's because to me he he had to get out and scramble and and Tennessee's defensive front shut down the run game. Well, if he get out, gets out and scrambles and he's successful, that means we slow. <laughs> yes, but he he is a little more mobile than you would think. Yeah, I, I genuinely, generally agree with with what you're saying, but I, I do think he's a little more athletic and mobile than people realize. He sh- he shouldn't be out running linebackers in, in secondary. He should be getting he no. should be getting his butt tackled. But he made he made some plays with his legs against a, a really good Utah defense. He was running for his life, that's for sure. But yeah, like he he's not immobile. But like if he is, he's like Joe. Joe's probably a little more athletic, got a little more burst, but I I would think that they're comparable. Okay. 865-255-03. We'll go to the phones. Swain Event Hotline. Again, 865-255-03. Stay with us. You're listening to the Swain Event. And you know this, man. Here in Knoxville, we love it when a squirrel's in the checkerboards. But when there's a squirrel in our attic, that's all sides. When that happens, call Alpha Wildlife. 
They're Knoxville's veteran-owned and operated wildlife removal company. When unwanted critters put their feet up on your coffee table, call 865-224-6555. Let the Tennessee fans at Alpha Wildlife evict those unwanted tenants and set your home up with a winning defense to keep that wildlife where it belongs. That's Alpha Wildlife at 865-224-6555. They have locations in Nashville, Memphis, Chattanooga, and in parts of South Carolina. Check them out online at alphawildlife.com. What's up, fellas? It's Swain. When it comes to health, there are numbers every man needs to know, including your testosterone number. I recommend going to Low T Center. They make it quick and easy to get your levels checked, and it's only $25. You walk in, take a simple blood test, and with their on-site lab, you'll know your results in 25 minutes. Low testosterone levels can make you feel tired and grumpy, can cause lack of motivation and drive. It can raise your cholesterol, cause weight gain, and loss of muscle mass. Go to LowTCenter.com now to book your appointment. Low T Center, reinventing men's healthcare. Dead End Barbecue has you covered when you need the food to be on point for your next event. Go to deadendbbq.com to learn more or call 865-414-9417. Dead End Barbecue, the catering search is over. Hey there, Swain Event crew. Just like fall sports, the Knoxville area real estate market is strong and growing stronger. We're in everything region. When you get the big orange itch to buy, sell, or invest, call me, Jennifer Morris with Keller Williams Realty at 865 865- Two five seven seven eight nine seven, or email me at Jennifer Morris eight six five at gmail.com. Go Vols! Looking for a different way to enjoy the show? Yes. Then check out Swain Event TV on YouTube. Swain Event, SwainEvent.com, fueled by Dead End Barbecue, top one hundred barbecue restaurant in America. Ben McKee, Go Vols two four seven. I'm Jason Swain. And uh, let's get to the phones this morning. And uh, we got Turkey Man. Turkey Man, good morning. Morning, guys. How are you, how are you doing today, oh, we, guys? We're good, man. Hope you are, uh, too. I'm doing great. Hey, Ben. How you doing, buddy? Get my mic unmuted here. I'm doing great. I hope you are as well and, and your family, too. Well, same to you guys. Hey, by the way, I was going to ask you guys a question. I know, Wayne, you kind of on the sideline on a regular basis this year during the games. Uh, and of course, Ben, I know you're always up there uh, watching every game. What uh, have you guys seen so far in the season so far that's that's got you excited about the possibility of us beating Florida? Uh, I know one thing I did see that I, I've seen uh, the tight end that I didn't, I didn't know enough much about, but I seen uh, that play that was to the tight end. I thought it was really, really exciting, and uh, I, uh, I've been kind of excited about the defense this year. And so I was just going to throw that out there. Uh, what, yeah, Trey, uh, man. Yeah. What, uh, what you guys seen from the sideline and from the, that you really uh, uh, can hang your hat on that you're excited about us win in this game right. and i'll get out and go ball all right turkey man uh for me ben i'll make it quick uh the front front seven it looks a whole lot better for sure um you know mccollin castles was on info draft boards before he transferred to tennessee he's big he's athletic he can run he showed that on the touchdown run uh versus austin p what about you yeah i'm i'm going the front seven as well i i think they're playing football at a very, very high level. And like I talked about last segment, 
I don't think it's just a, a two-game sample size. I realize that this year's team is this year's team and not last year's team, but for, for a large chunk of this front seven, it is guys that played on that rush defense last season. So I think the sample size is is maybe bigger than people realize. And not only for this Florida game, I, I think it also bodes well coming up against a, a South Carolina offensive line that is not good at all, uh, a Texas A&M offensive line that got bullied at Miami last weekend, uh, and also an Alabama offensive line that everybody thought was going to be really, really good coming into the season. Uh, maybe Texas is just that good. I think Texas is a legitimate national title contender for sure. Uh, but that that Alabama O-line got bullied as well. So if the defensive front is legit, like I think it is, I think it really bodes well for, for Tennessee making a run here these next several SEC games. All right, let's get back to the phones. Good morning. What's going on, Swaino? Uh, what's up, Buck Nasty? Well, I'm not doing too good here recently, uh, Swain, to be honest with you. Oh, man. What's, I going, got, what's uh, going on? I got hooked by a buffalo the other day and tore the rib, my meat off my ribs. And then a couple months ago, I was running from a giraffe and I twisted my knee and I'm pretty sure I tore my ACL. It stays swollen just constantly. Then a couple years ago, I got hit in the back by a wildebeest and it fractured my spine. And then I've been kicked by kangaroos. I've been clawed by sloths. I've been bitten by zebras in this line of work that I do. And just lots of different injuries that's occurred here in the last few years. But this morning, I woke up with one that I had never had before, Swain. What's that? I was was getting ready, and I looked in the mirror, and there was a set of uh, lips prints right there on my right butt cheek from where the Florida Gators can kiss my country ass because we're going down in the swamp Saturday night and we're going to drain that mofo for them one time. We're going to introduce them to Bazooka Joseph. We're going to cut them all loose. There's a squirrel going to have revival right there on the field and they're going to be running wild down there in the swamp. We're going to have them saddled up and we're going to have them spanking tail, son, all the way around. When Aaron Beasley cuts loose that through that front defensive line that we got running in behind Big Norman Lott and James Pearson, Roman Harrison are coming off the ends, blitzing them from every direction, son. Oh, and let us not forget about the man of the hour, Danico Slaughter, the one guy the entire country has not been introduced yet. You was talking about Beasley earlier. Well, let me tell you about this Slaughter kid. Ain't nobody heard a peep out of him all year because he's had everybody on lockdown out there on an island. And it's time for Kamal Haddon to get his head around and look back because their Rudy Pooh QB that they think that they got down there can't throw it more than five yards against a legitimate defense. And he's got to look up and he's got to pick it and he's got to run to the end zone and give them the old Rashawn Golden Swain. That's what I'm looking for on Saturday night. For our boys to come down and take care of business. You got to say it with your chest, turkey man. Don't be afraid. The years of the battered ball are over. And it's time for us to show up, hold our heads up high, stick our chest out, and then bend over and let them see where the good Lord can let them kiss us. Ain't that right, Swain? I'm, I'm with you, Buck Nasty. I, I'm with you. I, I am with you, man. Uh, I think Aaron Beasley... 
will be introduced to the nation on Saturday for sure. Uh, there's an opportunity for a lot of guys to to make their name known. Buck Nasty, 100%, man. 100%. Well, all right, boys. Y'all have a good day. I'll see you later, Ben. Don't let, don't let him hold you up here, okay? You're the best. You're the best, Buck <laughs> I, Nasty. I, I, don't, I, I don't want to talk after that epic rant. It's only downhill from there. You're the best, Buck Nasty, man. Oh, my gosh. 865-255-03 is our telephone number. Oh, man. Buck Nasty is... The best. <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh, A65 3 Guys, mental illness can dictate every aspect of your life, making it tough, making it feel like you're hopeless. Things are out of control. Feel like you're alone. Um, you're not alone. This is why mind body wellness offers effective mental health treatment in an outpatient setting. I've experienced the benefits of therapy. Talking to someone. Unloading the weight. A lot a lot of times as adults, you know, we carry weight from our childhood. We haven't learned how to process them. We haven't learned how to live with the past. And be productive. Well, do what I did. Get help. Get help. Get someone to talk to. You don't have to try to figure it out by yourself. Talk to someone about it. If you feel like this is the time for you, I encourage you to go to mindbodyknoxville.com because Mind Body Wellness in Knoxville. They're accessible, they're affordable, they're available. Go to their website, schedule a mental wellness assessment today. That is mindbodyknoxville.com. But Nasty is something else, man. He, he is, is something else. He is only and, Gen- and Jennifer Morris is also something else at selling these houses and, and helping people find the home of their dreams. If, if you're in the Knoxville market looking for a home, Jennifer Morris is the one to reach out to. Jennifer Morris of Keller Williams Realty. And she wanted me to point out that the Braves won the NL East again six straight years after beating the Phillies last night in Philadelphia, yada, yada, yada. But she also wanted me to wish everybody safe travels to everyone who is headed down to Gainesville uh, this weekend. And, and based off social media, Swain, it looks like there's going to be a nice chunk of Tennessee fans better. heading south over these next 48 hours or so. Yeah. Better be. It's time to take over the swamp the same way he took over in Death Valley down there in Baton Rouge last year. Oh, man. Bulldog Brian said, this guy's great. He's bringing it, talking about Buck Nasty. Uh, Louisiana Vall. Pierce or Josephs needs to look at the camera coming out and say, we're going to whoop that blankety-blank. Darrell Taylor style. Uh, Vaughn Birmingham says receivers need to wear the same color gloves as the jerseys or our opponents like they do in the NFL. Uh, we just need to get our hands inside and move our feet. That's it. Sean Reed. Today's going to be a great day. 
able to listen to the show live. GBO, love it. Tony says, how significant was a player meeting? And do you think it will have a positive impact on how we play going forward? Yeah, so we haven't talked about the player meeting here. Yeah, have we? I don't think so. Because it took, we have, did it take place? When did it take place? On Monday? I, I, I believe we mentioned it briefly on, on Tuesday. We did? Okay. Um, I think anytime you, you have a conversation amongst each other, I think you have the power to really make a huge impact with your on-field performance. See, most people, when they hear player meeting, they, they, they think of chaos and culture being questioned and things out of control. Obviously, the team didn't play like they needed to play last week. And they had a team meeting. The coaches was there. The coaches left the meeting. Before the players left with the coaches, the, the players stayed behind and they talked. It's not like guys were at home on a Sunday and the players called a player-only meeting to everyone for everyone to come to the complex to have a coming-to-Jesus meeting. It wasn't that. And so people have jumped to conclusions, and it's, it's not, it wasn't that at all. So, yeah, I think it's going to be very impactful. So people understand that they have a job to do. And you got to do your job. You got to make the play. You've worked on it. You've practiced it. You've trained all summer long. Ain't no reason to be dropping balls and putting the ball on the ground and, and jumping off sides and having false starts. That's that's what you do in year one, game one, not year three, game two. So understand what's expected. Go out there and handle business. All right, let's take one more phone call uh, before – we uh, take another time, another time out. Buck nasty boy, my goodness, man, that was some of his best work right there. Good morning. I thought Buck nasty didn't turn zookeeper. Man, he was he was great. He was great. I knew he wasn't gonna let a gator get a hold of him, get the best of him. <laughs> and well, he, he was and, talking and, about and that. what I don't <laughs> understand is. Oh, go ahead, Ben. Well, I was going to say it's bold strategy for Volstorm trying to follow up Buck Nasty. I, I don't, I don't know that I would want to be the one to follow up Buck Nasty. Much like me trying to follow up Seth Stokes, just not a a recipe for success. Oh man. Well, it's because I'm better than you. Anyway, guys, you want to <laughs> talk about uh, <laughs> guys, you want to talk about a lot of comparisons. There's a lot of similarities between Tennessee and Florida. You know. Florida's receivers are not that good. Our receivers are too much in their own head. Their secondary's not good. Our secondary's not good. Graham Mertz is slow. Joe Milton really don't want to take a hit. A lot of similarities. But the most important thing I see is Florida's slow. They are not the Florida of all. They are slow. Mm -hmm. And at least we have good team speed. I noticed that versus Utah. I think a lot of people noticed that the Florida wasn't wasn't as, as fast as before. I mean, I, I don't know what they did against that one double A team, but dear lord, I mean they beat them up. It, it, 
if they well, I mean, as but I mean, as far as how they look, you know, they look fast. If they if they, if they come out against Tennessee, play like they did against Utah, Tennessee will burn them up. They should. Yep. Well, they, they should. should. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness, guys! Real quick before I go, uh, hey, y'all think Jennifer Morris could help the Florida fans find a new trailer park? Uh, Jennifer Volstone mm-hmm. has a question I, for I you. Doubted, I'll let Jennifer answer that. I, I, I doubted Volstone's ability to follow up Buck Nasty, and he delivered. That that was excellent. That that was one of the best punchlines Volstone has ever delivered. Oh, man. Hoosier Vol says, we've seen a lot of folks talk about drop passes by our receivers. What did Tennessee do this week to help fix the issue? Also, what wrinkle of the offense that we haven't seen yet will be successful on Saturday. Appreciate appreciate you guys and all that you do for Vol Nation. Uh, any wrinkle would be a wrinkle we haven't seen on offense yet because we haven't done anything on offense in the first two games. So anything. I mean, there's so many possibilities. I mean, they're, they're really endless, and a lot of it depends on what the defense is going to, to show us. So that's the answer to that part of the question. Um, what did Tennessee do this week to fix the issue? You watch film, you talk about it, you catch, I guess you catch on the joke machine. I mean, at the end of the day, like, it ain't about catching on the joke machine. Because they already catch a lot of balls on the joke machines. And I, I heard the softest comment ever. Well, they're dropping it because Joe's throwing too hard. No. That's not why I'm dropping it. Brew McCoy did an interview with Andy Staples a day or two ago and said that they catch the ball in jug machines all the time with the speed high. All the time. So that ain't the reason. It's about just making a play when the lights are on. That's what it's about. Well, it ain't about I mean, catching these, more balls on the jug machine at the end no, of the day. No, it, it, it's not. It's absolutely not. And, and college quarterbacks typically throw hard. And and what do you think NFL quarterbacks are going to throw like when Brew McCoy gets to the league or Ramel Keaton, Squirrel White, Dante Thornton? These guys all have professional aspirations. If they get drafted by the Chiefs or the Bills, you think Patrick Mahomes and and, and Josh Allen don't throw hard? You, you think Joe Burrow or, or Justin Herbert or Tua Tungavailoa, they don't throw hard? <laughs> I mean, it's... Whew. That, that that's quite the comment. I, I've seen a couple of those comments as well that Joe throws the ball too hard. All college quarterbacks and professional quarterbacks for the most part do. Not not excuse to drop the ball. This is not a valid excuse. So can Joe be more accurate? Absolutely. But ball hit both your hands. You, you got to catch it, man. You work on back shoulder, back hip throws. We talked about that on Tuesday. Um, yes, absolutely. Now I, I will Joe needs to to help the receivers out a little bit. I I know that you will strongly disagree with me well, on this that. point. I said he has to be more accurate with the ball. Yes, absolutely. But I'm saying like I like that one to to brew early in the first quarter. Like not all football hitting you in the hands is equal. Like Joe needs to not only just be more accurate, but like uh, give your receiver a better chance to catch a football. Like don't throw it. 
two feet behind him. Don't throw it behind him where he's got to slow down and, and, and catch the football. Like, lead him. We make about this on make it easier on him. We talked about this on Tuesday. He, he probably he could have thrown him down on, on, on purpose. Yes, but it wasn't just that. Partic- there were other throws as well. It, it, that Like, the Virginia game, like, everybody was on Joe's back for accuracy, and I thought that was misplaced. Like, I didn't understand getting it on – Joe for being inaccurate against Virginia. He was not inaccurate against Virginia. He had maybe one or two throws, but you're going to have one or two throws that aren't accurate when you throw the football 31 times. No quarterback in the history of, of football is perfect. To me, that Austin P game, it, it was a little out in front. It was a little behind. It was a little too high. It was it was old Joe, and we hadn't really seen old Joe since the start of the 2022 season, in my opinion. So, I guess I'm more so speaking to everybody says, oh, it hits you in the hands. You got to catch it. And like, I don't necessarily disagree, but I also don't think all all the footballs hitting receivers in, in the hands are, are created equally. Like just because it hits the, the receiver in the hands doesn't make it an easy ball to bring in and, and catch when, when you're going full speed one way and it's and it's a step or two behind you. Like that's a really really hard football to to make an adjustment on and, and bring the catch in. And I know that you'll strongly disagree with me, but I, I kind of look at the quarterback in that situation and say, lead him, get it to where he can catch the football and then put him in position to get yards after the catch as well. And I'm not just speaking to that one on Brew McCoy, because like you detailed on, on Tuesday, like that is maybe a situation where they were expecting him to, to settle in that little cushion. And, and that's why it, Joe threw behind him, but there were several throws of that nature to where the ball was high, low, behind. Like Joe, Joe's accuracy was definitely off against Austin P. Ideally, you want to throw the ball out in front on the move, and you want to hit the ball, throw the ball, hit the receiver in the numbers in the zone, and win. You're supposed to like in a perfect world as a quarterback, you want to make every throw easy for the receiver. And when I say receiver, it doesn't mean like wide receiver. It could mean tight end, running back, uh, wide receiver. It could be um, anyone on, on the offense that is catching the ball. Um, if it hits both hands, you you need to catch it. You you are elite. You are an elite collegiate football player playing in the SEC. You have worked all summer on catching the ball. They're not going to be perfect. They hit both hands. You need to catch the ball. Simple as that. You need to help Joe Milton. Simple as that. Um, Joe has to be better, but help your quarterback. By, by catching the ball if it hits both hands, period, point blank. You want to play at the next level, you're expected to catch that ball at the next level. Um, let's get to the phones right quick. <clears throat> Clear that throat. Who we got? Good morning. I got your normal meltdown caller. It's Thursday. Oh, uh, DR Vogue. Cool. What you got? Yeah, thir- I, I'm meltdown. down. You got to talk me off the ledge. For what? I don't feel I, Thursday. I don't feel good about Saturday after what I watched last Saturday. Oh my gosh! Why didn't you call with this on Tuesday? It's Thursday. I, I, because Swain, it's just Tuesday. It starts out, and eh, I feel decent about it. By Thursday, it's the anxiety. It's a snowball effect, man. I'm I'm not feeling great. 
ultimately, I'm, deep down, I think we do win, but I, it's, it's Florida. I wrote a lot of checks that I want my team to cash after I watched Florida play Utah. Do you, do you, do you need a pacifier this morning, Diarval? Huh? Do you, do you, I, I need I need my receivers to catch the ball and my quarterback to throw in stride. Do you and need a I teddy bear? Do you need... Do you, do you need somebody to snuggle up with right now, Diarval? Come on, man! You sound soft. Let's go. It's Thursday. I'm trying. I'm trying to ball leave. I'm trying to ball leave. Huh? What you say? You know that's what they say on Facebook. Just <laughs> ball leave. So what? What? <laughs> <laughs> it's uh. Well, that was what the big group said. I'm permanently banned. Uh, thanks to Pruitt. But uh, that's what they used to say. They may not say it anymore. I, I couldn't tell you. Oh man. Listen, I know there's concerns, but hey, dude, Florida got concerns too, man. Tennessee's a better football team here. Yeah, I, and ultimately, deep down, I know that I do think we pulled away, and I finally feel, I finally know we have the better coach on our sideline. Swain, do you think Milton, part of his uh, thing is, because like, he don't seem to take some chances down the field, which I guess if your receivers aren't catching it, you have you have no confidence, but you think that he hasn't thrown any interception thing is getting in his head? Mm-mm. You don't think so? No. Because I know how some quarterbacks can be head cases. Well, I don't think that's I don't think that's the reason uh, why the play hasn't been what we expected it to be in the first two games. Guys, I mean the protection hasn't been great either. So that that has to be mentioned more. Um, I mean, you, you got to send guys deep to throw it deep, and if we're not sending guys deep and we call and scream uh, passes, then how can you throw it deep? Unless you're Joe Milton, you change the play, but I don't know how much freedom he has to, to do that. Um, but I just think he just he needs more help from guys around him, and he needs to be a little bit better. I think it's really as simple as that. I worry about our line swing. That there was no push against Austin P. And honestly, Milton don't move around in the pocket like Hooker did, and that scares me. Because that's one thing I do remember about the Clemson game was him staying in the pocket too long. I'm I'm kind of confused by this talk about the offensive line. Like I, I don't I don't think that it's great and just the most dominating offensive line in the country, but they kept Joe clean against a the only good part of Virginia's football team. That that Virginia defensive front it has a lot of veterans that have played good football throughout their career, kept Joe clean. And then against Austin P, like Joe wasn't under pressure consistently and like they're also opening up holes in in the running game again I, I don't I don't think that they're the best in the country but like I I don't think they've been bad I actually have confidence in them going into this game yeah I guess I mean more so better competition because they're going to get that this week yes they absolutely are but to this Florida defensive front does not scare me it, it's not the Florida defensive front that we're accustomed to not saying that they're bad not saying that they won't test this offensive line, but I would be surprised if they live in the backfield on run running plays and passing plays. I would be surprised if they consistently reset the line of scrimmage. They're, they're, they're not the Florida defensive front that we've all become accustomed to over the tw- past 20, 25 years. Yeah, and I guess that's what I'm thinking because I'm, I'm bad about living in the past anyway. I guess that's what I've got in my head, Ben. Like there's there, – I'm not – there's – Serious question marks about this offensive line. I'm, I'm I'm not saying that there's not. Like, how does Cooper, if Cooper plays on Saturday, how does he get back into the flow of things? They're rotating 
a little more than than my liking because I think you have to have cohesion up front along the offensive line with with, with a starting five. Um, but I, I think Campbell's been pretty good. I think Spragans has been pretty good. And like even on the right tackle with Crawford and, and Mincy, very similar to last year. They weren't all SEC performers, but they didn't get you beat either. And I'd like to see more of Mincy at right tackle moving forward. Ali Lane, now he's one that I kind of question his ability when you step up in competition, but he's played well the first two weeks, and, and I kind of trust there is a level of trust going in if he's at left guard against Florida. Like, I, I kind of like where Tennessee's offensive line is is at. I, I think they're doing some good things, and I think Jacob Warren and McCallan Castles are doing a great job of chipping in as well when they're in the box having the block. Hold on to the ball. Uh, see, this is why I call in because I, I feel like I'm stepping away from the ledge. I'm not like six feet from the edge, like uh, whatever that band's called. Things. I, I would, I wouldn't know, man. Hey, folks, it's been two years. Okay, it's been it's been two years since Josh Heupel has taken over, and all he has done is is showing you that he can do more with less. And so, uh, I understand what happened, you know, in the last. 10, 15 years with previous coaches and finding ways to lose and all that good stuff. But, like, this whole batter ball syndrome, like, what, I think some folks are just feeding into it way too much. Like, Hypo's giving you two years, man. He's giving you two years. And so at some point, you got you, you to get over that and it, understand that you're going to lose games. Like, that's a part of sports. You're not going to win every game. Yeah, my problem is it's Florida. I, I know too many of their fans <laughs> around here, Swain. I, I, I hate I them. get it. Y'all you know how it is. Whoever's closest to you is who you hate the most. It's Florida, Kentucky for my area. I, I, I get it, D.R. Ball. It's Florida. I understand. And, hey, there's been some games where we have been the better team and found ways to lose. I I, I do get that. I do understand uh, that 100%. Um, offense line has been really challenged um, yet this season. That's the – thing about both teams coming in um there's a lot of unknowns but probably more for, for Tennessee because you didn't play a uh, Utah this offensive line has had a lot of moving pieces you've had your starting center out um the zookeeper and Javante Spragans and uh it's funny because the new name is Zoo God it ain't the zookeeper anymore it's a Zoo God uh him and I had a little conversation Virginia game. It's the zoo god now. And, and Spragans is impressive. He's tough. He's really good in the running game. He's a pro player. But Spragans had two pre-snap penalties against Austin P. And he's better than that. He knows he's better than that. He can't allow that to happen. You can't do that at home, and you dang sure can't do it on the road. So he has to be better there. He understands that. I think he will be. Um, this offensive line will would be the key, just like their offensive line would be the key. They gave up five sacks versus Utah, Ben. Seven tackles for a loss is what Utah um, had. So there's an opportunity for James Pierce and Barron and Omar Thomas and Joshua uh, Joseph. There's an opportunity for this front to to really impact um, Florida. So you can't throw the ball down the football field if you don't have time. And whoever's offensive line is able to hold up uh, probably has the best chance to win. And whoever runs the football will have the best opportunity to win as well. I have a, a, a quick question for you, and maybe you need to answer it after a break. Yeah. But I'm I'm real curious to see how Florida's defense 
plays Tennessee's offense because if I'm an opposing defensive coordinator, opposing defensive staff, I'm sitting back just like Virginia and Austin P did and forcing Joe Milton to make accurate throws down the football field over the middle of the field like Tennessee's offense was incapable of doing against Austin P. I'm making Joe Milton make accurate throws to beat us if I'm an opposing defensive coordinator. But if you drop that extra guy in coverage, then all of a sudden you don't have that extra man in the box to help defend a Tennessee rushing attack that is really, really good and will gash you if the numbers are in their favor. So I'm, I'm interested to see how Florida's defensive staff and then moving forward as we get into South Carolina and Texas A&M, do they, do they try to sit back and, and continue to make Joe beat them with his arm or, or do they add that extra guy in, in the box to where they commit to stopping the run and, and feel comfortable that Joe isn't going to be able to make those accurate throws even if they have that extra guy in the box like that that to me is something that we're going to find out quick fast and in a hurry and it's really piqued my interest we'll we'll discuss it on the other side Swain event fueled by that in barbecue What's up, Swain Event family? It's great to be on board. This is Taylor Hawkins with Modern Woodman Fraternal Financial, and I have one question for you. When was the last time you have slowed down and evaluated your financial situation? Just like the Vols, a great game plan leads to victory. Let us help you achieve your financial goals with a custom-made game plan. No matter what stage of life you're in, protecting your family and hard-earned money is important. So let one of our local and trusted financial professionals secure your future by visiting one of our 10 branch offices across Tennessee or give us a call locally at 865-312-5638. And remember, go Vols. Registered representative and investment advisor representative offering securities and advisory services through NWA Financial Services, Inc., a wholly owned subsidiary of Modern Woodman of America, member of INCRA, SIPC. Hey there, Swain Event fam. If you're currently renting and just about priced out of your place, give me a call. Jennifer Morris with Keller Williams Realty at 865-257-7897. You may be able to buy a home and have monthly payments less than your rent. And wouldn't you rather pay your own mortgage than someone else's? Hope to hear from you soon and go Vols. Here in Knoxville, we love it when a squirrel's in the checkerboards. But when there's a squirrel in our attic, that's all sides. When that happens, call Alpha Wildlife. They're Knoxville's veteran-owned and operated wildlife removal company. When unwanted critters put their feet up on your coffee table, call 865-224-6555. Let the Tennessee fans at Alpha Wildlife evict those unwanted tenants and set your home up with a winning defense to keep that wildlife where it belongs. That's Alpha Wildlife at 865-224-6555. They have locations in Nashville, Memphis, Chattanooga, and in parts of South Carolina. Check them out online at alphawildlife.com. We're here with Dr. Michael Carlson of Tennessee Regenerative Sports Medicine to discuss stem cell treatment and PRP. If you have orthopedic injuries, you should give them a call. That's right, Jason. We specialize in regenerative non-surgical orthopedics. So we treat damaged tendons, ligaments, and joints by using ultrasound-guided injections with stem cells or PRP. And this form of treatment actually stimulates the body's own reparative process and allows for healing of the damaged tissue. So, Doc, what makes your training different than others? Well, Jason, I've been practicing in Knoxville for 26 years, and I'm certified in interventional regenerative orthopedic medicine through the American Academy of Orthopedic Medicine. 
medicine. At Tennessee Regenerative Sports Medicine, I'm the one doing the procedure, and we're using your own bone marrow stem cells or PRP. So in other words, it comes from you and it goes back to you. So you know exactly what you're getting and know exactly the level of training involved. Tennessee Regenerative Sports Medicine, trsportsmedicine.com. East Tennessee's leader in PRP and stem cell therapy. When you are craving some quality barbecue, there's only one place to go. Dead End Barbecue. Dead End Barbecue has been featured on ESPN's Taste of the Town, the first barbecue restaurant on the SEC Network, CBS Sports, Headline News Tailgate Show, Amazon Prime's The Restaurant Comeback, Food Paradise, and named one of the top 100 barbecue restaurants in America. The search is over. Dead End Barbecue is located on 3621 Sutherland Avenue right here in Knoxville. You can even have it delivered right to your door through Chow Now. Visit their website at deadendbbq.com. Dead End Barbecue. The search is over. The conversation doesn't stop when the show is over. Follow the Swain event on Twitter and like this show on Facebook. If you're Florida, you, you do the same thing that Austin P. Virginia tried to do. And you feel more confident that you have better athletes than those guys and you'll be able to have more success. That's how you that's how you play Joe Milton until Joe Milton beats you throwing crossing routes, throwing timing routes. And actually putting up points, touchdowns, because you can deal with him moving the ball down the football field and kicking field goals. The last thing you want to do is allow Joe Milton to sit back that sit back in the pocket and throw fifty yard bombs to receivers on the outside that's that's what you don't want and you know that's joe's strength that's one of joe's strengths why would you let an opposing player play to his strength so timing routes you gotta be able to hit them if florida's any good with their coaching staff that's what they should try to do um but i do think a really interesting point here is that florida's defense coordinators in his first year this is his third year as a college defense coordinator. He came from Southern Miss. This is his first year in the SEC. Last year, Florida had co-defense coordinators. This year, they just have one. But, man, is he green behind the ears. And he's going up against arguably the best play caller in college football. That defense coordinator is Austin Armstrong for Florida. That is a matchup that's going to be fun to watch right there. And you know Hypel has some tricks up his sleeves like we mentioned earlier in the show. Oh, 100%. I I, I expect to we, – we haven't really seen that, that wide-open receiver down the field like we became accustomed to seeing the first two seasons Hypel was here. I, I think this is the week that we finally do. I, I, I think he's been been keeping some tricks up his sleeves on purpose uh, he, he talked about it on Vol Calls last night uh, where there were instances against Austin P where you wanted to do this or that, but you didn't necessarily want to put it on tape for the games coming up. So it, it was tempting to do this or that in a particular situation, but he had to reel himself back in and, and not just uh, unleash the bag there. That's going to be a fun matchup between those two, man. There's going to be a lot of chess being played uh, by Josh Heupel. And if Austin Armstrong doesn't play chess and he's playing as checkers, then 
going to be a long night for Florida. Um, I'm going to hit the text box. Vaughn Birmingham said this weekend may be the biggest game of Joe's career. If he has a great game and win, he shuts up much noise. Yeah, he does. He shuts up um, noise until the next game. He'll shut up noise until we play UTSA. And then people will be expecting him to do what he did versus Florida versus UTSA if he goes out there and has a good game against Florida. But I do agree. It is the biggest game of Joe's career. It's the game that a lot of people are kind of waiting to judge Joe on. It's a game I'm waiting to judge Joe on, whether good or good or bad. Vol fan says Cole Kublik, after the Austin P game, said the O line was not as good, was not as good in pass pro, but really finished in a running game. 87 block well, talking about uh Warren. Yeah, I mean, Tennessee's offensive line. Has to play better. Um, there's there's no secret, especially in the you know in the passing passing game. But the whole offense needs to play better. That doesn't exclude the offensive line uh, at all. Uh, Vaughn Birmingham says Florida feeds the ball to number one and ETN. If they slow these guys down, we will be fine. Yeah, they they certainly did that in their game versus McNeese. But I mean, how much can you? factor in McNeese because of their talent level. But, yeah, Florida's able to run the ball at will versus those guys, whereas not able to run the ball versus Utah. Uh, only had 13 yards rushing on 21 attempts and um, gave up five sacks, seven tackles behind the line of scrimmage. So if you are Tennessee, you're probably going to play more like Utah than, than McNeese State. But – Still got to go out there, and you have to you have to execute. Uh, Mertz did have 333 yards, and the interception that he did have, I don't necessarily put it all on him either. So he's not bad. I, he's better than what I thought he would be. I, I watched that Utah game, and I did not think Graham Mertz was the issue. Not not that he's Tim Tebow or or somebody like that, but I, I did not watch that football game and, and think that that he was the issue with the offense. I thought the issue with the offense was the offensive line was just really, really poor in that game. And I think coaching also set Graham Mertz up to fail. How do you oh, only yes. give Montreal Johnson the football like three times? And, and ETN barely touched the football as well. Like you, you're, you're, your offense is built around the running game, and they went away from the running game. Uh, and then there were also a, a million self-inflicted wounds in that football game as well that, that killed Florida on both sides of the ball. There was a play call on fourth down and three that Florida Utah game where they sent Ricky Pearsall in motion to the uh, left to right, and then they ran the ball left to right. They did not pick up the first down. They were in shotgun, and I'm like, you send the dude in motion in one direction, then you hand the ball off in the same direction on fourth and three in the shotgun. Yeah, so. Play calling will be very important because sometimes play call gets you beat. Sometimes you hear, "Oh, well, I mean, the players just execute the play call, then, then you have success." No, if the play call is terrible. It's going to get you beat. So pay attention to those calls on on both sidelines, but. 
that stood out to me. Fourth down and three, shotgun. You're going to run in the same direction as you fake a, a, a handoff to the receiver that's going in motion? Okay. Okay. I think Tennessee definitely has the the coaching advantage in this oh, football thousand game. Percent. Thousand, thousand percent, one thousand percent. Um, Dragonfall says bold prediction. I think Nico plays in the fourth quarter because we have a comfortable lead. Brian Hunsucker says throwing over the middle on crossing routes was were Joe's best throws last year, and against Austin P, he just missed those throws. Yep. Um, Boston fan says Ben. Needs to read the article you retweeted yesterday about the long pass in the NFL. If they drop back and stop the long ball, take the short throws and run down their throats. As Mahomes said in the article, Patrick Mahomes, taking what they give you, even if you are dying to throw it deep, is a sign of maturity for a quarterback. That's what it really comes down to is is just taking what the defense gives you. I mean, I voiced that opinion on Tuesday. I I thought that the lack of – I said on Tuesday that I thought the lack of of shots down the field were more of a result of defenses playing too high and, and forcing the forcing the offense to take what they are giving them. I thought Virginia and Austin P both did that, so not sure why I need to read that when I had that opinion on Tuesday. Well, that person probably didn't it. listen Tuesday. He listened today, and Ben said it on Tuesday. But here's the thing: we, everybody need to understand: you don't need to throw the ball deep to have big plays. You can throw the ball in the intermediate zones of a defense, catch the ball, make somebody miss, and go run for 10 or 15 yards. Yep. That's a 30-yard gain. That's a 35-yard gain. Those those plays over the middle of the field that, that Brian Hunsarker just pointed out, like those can turn into big chunk plays if, if the receiver does what it needs to do and, and if the quarterback makes a better throw, then – all of a sudden, you can maybe make a guy miss, and and all of a sudden, those intermediate ten to fifteen yard throws turn into possibly touchdowns uh, against competition like Austin P. So, uh, I, I completely agree. And to Brian Hunsucker's point, I, I that's why I was surprised that Joe missed those throws on, on Saturday against Austin P. Um, because th- those were the throws that he made consistently last year. I, I know it was kind of a small sample size, but he did at least do that consistently i think that that saturday performance against austin p is is going to prove to be an outlier i thought joe's more accurate and and more improved than he showed on saturday but hey you you still got to go show it in a game you you still have to go prove it at some point and and that also goes back to the point earlier i think it was volan birmingham who said it this game is huge for joe i mean i i hate to put so much pressure on joe but at some point you do have to assert yourself as somebody that is more than just a guy with a big strong arm quit being the guy that has the big strong arm and go be the the great quarterback that you're capable of and you can start to prove that this weekend so i i do think that this is a huge huge game for for joe again not to put too much pressure on him but man if if he can have a big game like he's capable of it, it sure would go a, a long ways to shutting a lot of people up and, and also building a lot of confidence for the rest of the season uh, Joe put pressure on himself when he said this summer at the Manning Passing Academy that he doesn't lose in the state of Florida. <laughs> that's so, true. Maybe I shouldn't feel bad for number, putting pressure on him. That's number one. Number two, you play quarterback for University of Tennessee. There's always going to be pressure. And number three, you're playing Tennessee-Florida game on primetime, and uh, you got the number one crew, ESPN, um, calling the game. So there's pressure. 
Simple as that. But here's a chance for, for Joe to be a diamond. Because if you handle that pressure right, you're going to shine bright. And I think Joe has an opportunity to do that. Um, Tennessee, last week, it is first and 10 on Austin P's 43-yard line. It is tw- 13 and 23. Joe Milton completes a short pass to the left to McCollin Castles for a 43-yard touchdown. Did he throw it 43 yards? No. He caught the ball and made it got missed and ran to the end zone. That's an explosive play. That ain't no different than throwing it 50 yards. So my point is, make a damn play. Go make a play. Go make somebody miss. Go make a play. That's, that's, that's what you can do. You don't have to always throw it deep to go make a play or explosive play. Uh, Bulldog Brian says as long as there's multiple Florida players with the number three on the field, Tennessee wins big. Oh, you better believe that's going to be fixed for Saturday. God, that was that was embarrassing for the Florida coaching staff. 100%, man. 100% embarrassing. All right, Ben, any um, last comments, last words as you get ready to uh, drive to, to Gainesville? later today because you're probably gonna need a couple days to get there <laughs> i'm i'm leaving tomorrow morning but I, I do need some mental preparation over the next 24 hours as i prepare to get ready and and go i mean my my big overall thought in on this football game is is that tennessee wins the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball i think tennessee's offensive line gets the job done and results in a big day rushing the football for the vols and I also think that Tennessee's defensive front really, really makes life tough on Florida's offensive line that I just don't think is is very good. So uh, I think Tennessee wins in the trenches, and and that leads to a a big win for Tennessee in the swamp on Saturday night. Yeah, what a, what an unbelievable opportunity is for this Tennessee defensive front. Um, I think they're going to be the difference uh, in this football game. Uh, I think Jalen Wright's going to do his thing. He's right now second in the SEC in rushing. I think he goes to to number one um, after this game. The leading rusher right now in the SEC, I want to say he's running back from uh, Mississippi State. Mississippi State plays LSU this weekend, and um, I, I can see Jalen Wright taking over the number one spot right now uh, in the SEC. He's already one of the leaders in the country at yards per uh, carry, and I think he has a good game, and um, I think we will have a receiver step up and and make a play. I don't know about the whole group. I don't know that. Me saying I don't know doesn't mean I don't think they will. It truly means I don't know. But I do think there will be one receiver that steps up and, and has uh, a good game. And um, I think we'll create a turnover on defense because of the pressure by the Tennessee front. Special teams will be important. Very, very important because uh, Florida has the ability to make a big play in special teams because of, of their freshman, uh, Eugene Wilson, who's electric. So we got to make sure we're disciplined in our cover lanes. We got to make sure that we kick the ball where we're supposed to kick the ball and uh, we don't hurt ourselves with penalties on special teams that back up our uh, offense. Field position was a big part of the Florida-Utah game. Uh, Florida was was backed up a lot, and uh, Utah won that hidden 
part of the game, field position. So we got to win there. All right, Ben. I'll see you at the swamp, man. You got your jorts packed? Yeah, I've, I've got my jorts on, ready to go. I'll see you Saturday night. All right, my friend. I'm looking forward to it. Tennessee, Florida, prime time, ESPN, Saturday. We will be, we'll be back on Tuesday, 8 a.m. to talk about it. Let's hope we're talking about a big orange win. For Ben McKee of Go Vols 247, I'm Jason Swain. We hope y'all have a wonderful rest of your day and your week. We are out. Peace and love.